Hey guys, it's Ryan. Thanks for tuning into Theology-ish. Before we jump in, I just want to emphasize that the discussions on this podcast are exploratory in nature and delve into a variety of theological perspectives. They do not strictly represent or define our personal stances on the faith nor the doctrine of our affiliated churches. We encourage listeners to reflect, question, and seek guidance from their local church leaders. Our goal is to foster understanding and curiosity. We ask that you listen with a humble and discerning mind. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish, your favorite podcast about theology and all things therewithin, such as biblical studies, church history, philosophy, uh, religion, whatever. Um, yeah, my name's Ryan. I'm one of your hosts. And with me, as always, is our fantastic second host. William. Hi, that's me. That is you. kind of you to say that I'm fantastic. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I know you really like that movie. I do like that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. If you have not watched it, you should. I've only seen it once, and I was, like, really young. It's So I don't remember it that well. It is a a cozy movie. It's my cozy movie to watch when I want to feel cozy. I've got to rewatch it. Yeah. I've got to go back now that I'm older and and see how I like it. Yeah. I mean, you might. I, I really don't think... It would be your vibe, TBH, mm. but I like it. I know my wife has never seen it at all, so it's we ought to watch it. I think it's a good movie. Anyway, today, Ryan, we have a special episode. We do. Today is our Cue the Spooky Music Halloween episode. Spooky. So... We thought that given that this episode is coming out right around Halloween, we would talk about something kind of spooky. And Ryan, you begged me and pleaded with me (laughs) to talk about this because it's one of your favorite things to think about and talk about. And it's so near and dear to your heart. And I said, Ryan, that's a little dark, but you wanted to talk about it anyway. (laughs) So at Ryan's behest, we are going to be talking about... Satanism. For those listening, that's a joke. <laughs> well, I mean, we are talking about Satanism. Yeah, we are talking about that. Ryan, but... I had to convince him that this would be an okay topic. <laughs> no, I was actually pretty in opposition to doing this at first because uh, mm, that's that's a little that's a little touchy. Which is exactly why I wanted to talk about it. But I, I think as long as we are careful about our discussion, and as long as we remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, all should be well. And I want to be clear, dear listeners, our intention here is to dunk on it for being dumb. Yes. This is not a pro-Satan podcast. If you are a pro-Satan listener, you might want to go elsewhere. We are here to uh, discuss this a little bit and have some fun at the expense of satanic folk. Yeah, Um, so here's your your first and only disclaimer. If this is something you're not comfortable with, if this is something you don't want to listen to, if you're not comfortable with that, now's the time to leave. But I, I want to also be clear that I promise it's probably less spooky and scary than you're thinking. Yes. Which is part of the motivation for doing this. I want to demystify it a little bit because when you say 
Satanism. Christians get the heebie-jeebies, to an extent rightly so, and then they, they treat it like it's Voldemort, and they're unwilling to even say it. And I'm going to ask a really dumb question. All right. Which is, as you know, people in the Harry Potter universe are like, oh, he who shall not be spoken his name. You, you can't say Voldemort's name, right? Right. And the Old Testament Jewish folk, they had the unspeakable name of God, which you are not to utter. Mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. you write it down, you have to get a new pen or quill and yeah, yeah. ink pot and whatever. It's, it's a little dumb, but you think there's a there's a connection there? <laughs> uh, perhaps J.K. Rowling was tr- trying to uh, secretly suggest that God is evil by making Voldemort's name unspeakable like the Tetragrammatron of Hebrew tradition. Mm. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, we're not talking about Harry Potter That's today. a whole other discussion. We are going to be talking about Satanism. Now, before we talk about Satanism, I would like to define some terms real quick. All right. Ryan, do you know what the word Satan means? Satan means adversary or enemy, does it not? It sure does mean adversary or enemy. And the first place that we actually see it in Holy Scripture is in Numbers when uh really ba- yeah huh when balaam is riding along the road on his donkey that yeah. ends up talking to him if you have the old king james you might know it as the story of balaam's talking ass yes you could say he was talking out of his ass <laughs> <laughs> anyway there's an angel standing in the road and it's got a sword and its intention is to kill balaam and it says in the hebrew that the angel is there as a Satan to Balaam. It's in position as an adversary. Mm. Right? So, we may, I think, with limited effort, be right to say that things, whatever they may be in our lives that limit our union with Christ and get in the way of that relationship, we can say that those things are adversaries and adversarial to us. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. So it's, it's, as we're going to be discussing it tonight, it's a bit bigger than the fellow with hooves and the goatee and the red horns and whatnot. It's broader than that. Yeah. That said, we are going to be talking about four specific belief sets or you might be proper it might be fair to say that they're religions we're going to talk about four different religions and these different religious systems all describe themselves as satanic okay and you might be thinking about any of these four different types of satanist when you think about a satanist yeah okay two of these systems do not believe in Satan as an actual fellow. They, they don't believe that there is an entity that is called Satan. Yeah. They don't believe that the devil is a dude. Which is ironic. Yeah. Two of these other systems usually, not always, but usually do believe in the devil as a guy. Right? I don't uh, know if a guy is the right uh, term, but guy sure. might be the wrong term, yeah. but you know what I mean. 
But I want to emphasize that all four of these systems are adversarial to the Christian. All right? Yeah. So they are all satanic, and sometimes they involve Satan, sometimes less so. All right. So the first system of belief is the the Church of Satan. What do you know about the, the Church of Satan, Ryan? I'm I'm going to be a hundred percent real with you. I did zero research ahead of this. Zero episode. research. You didn't I didn't do Google a lick Satanism? of Google searching or anything. Dang, bro. So my extent of knowledge in as far as any of these four different <laughs> beliefs go is <laughs> some of them believe Satan's real and some of them don't. And, and, and you know that because I just said it. Yeah, and that's about that. All right, uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so the Church of Satan is also known as Levian Satanism because its founder was a guy whose last name is LeVay. Um, this was started in 1966, and in 1969, LeVay published a, a work that you might be familiar with, The Satanic Bible. Ah. You've probably heard of that I, I've heard of it. Uh, want to make this real clear. Neither of us have read it. <laughs> yeah. And... I have no intention to, so. You sure neither of us have read it, Ryan? Perhaps I've read the Satanic Bible. Have you? No. No, I have not. I I don't want to. Um, I'm not going to. So this one, this system is the closest thing to an organized religion that we'll be discussing tonight. They have a few beliefs that we're just going to skim over some of their basic stuff that they think. First of all, they don't believe in Satan as a guy. They believe that Satan is an like an archetype of the rebel, right? Mm. They, they think of Satan as like the OG punk who's like, rip the system, man. I don't need the man telling me what to do, man. That that's how they Yeah, can, man. Yeah, man. You can't make me clean my room. So <laughs> that, that's how they conceptualize Satan. No, um, I'm not gonna put my dishes in the dishwasher, man. You can't make me take out the trash. And mom's husband Dave can't make me take out the trash either. <laughs> so that, that's that, the kind of person we're dealing with. It, exactly. They don't believe that there is a God. They are an atheistic organization. And if there is a God, as far as the Church of Satan is concerned, it is the self. You are God. Right? It's like extreme mm. egoism. Right? They are interested in the rigorous expression of personal instinct, desire, and impulse, right? So they want you to uh, live your truth to the highest level that you can live your truth, Yeah. And because if there is a God, it is you, then how could you deny God the fulfillment of its will? Okay? Um... 
it's really just juvenile egoism. That's that's all it is. It's just man uh, elevation of the self and the impulse of self as the highest good, even though they don't really believe in good because they don't believe in anything. They just believe in personal fulfillment, and they can't even describe what fulfillment means because it's personal. So it's not a universal good. It's relative good for individuals, and it's dumb. It's also just such a blatant heresy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, again, they don't really believe in an entity who could be called Satan. Um, they uphold symbol of Satan as an archetype for the individual who fights the power. I'm reading from my notes here. Um, ultimately, they're, they're just nihilistic. Uh, they really don't believe in anything except their own self-proclaimed enlightenment. The Satanic so- Bible is really influenced by... Uh, the philosopher Frederick Nietzsche, they're influenced by Ayn Rand, they're influenced by the, those kinds of uh, radical egoists who believe in nothing other than the will to power and the exertion of self in the world. So one might say that they're just a bunch of atheists, but with extra steps. <laughs> yeah, they're atheists with extra steps, and they have like philosophy to back it up, but it's not good philosophy. Yeah, and this is the version of Satanism that I think I've heard the most about just day-to-day in my life. Yeah. Which is that it's not actually about worshiping, you know, the Satan. It's about worshiping yourself and fulfilling yourself because there is no God and the world is damned to to end one day and yeah, all like, you can entropy, do man. yeah all you can do is satisfy yourself in the most gratifying way possible and i i don't think that you have to be that smart to realize that that's dumb and bad and unproductive it it's just it's not good um have you ever read the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde i have not okay uh well for those of you dear listeners who have read the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde lord henry is this character in that book and he says all kinds of things that he doesn't really believe are true but he says the stuff anyway and he's like this enlightened aristic aristocrat who's annoying and the things that he says about like pursuing uh, personal fulfillment and beauty and wealth are this kind of thinking. And the picture of Dorian Gray is kind of a story about the uh, the limits of that kind of living and thinking and how it leads to destruction. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a book written by an artist who lived in like 17-something – His Mm -hmm. name was William Blake, and he wrote this little book, and it's called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, and it's like poetic verse on one side, and then the other side are like pictures that he made. Yeah. Um, And it's it's beautiful. The pictures are beautiful. He was a very talented artist, Um, but he was a very troubled man. You can read his Wikipedia page, and you don't have to have a degree in psychology to be pretty sure he had some severe mental illnesses. Um. And he wrote this little treatise. It's short. You can find PDFs of it online and read it in an afternoon. I'm not suggesting you do that because it's a wicked little volume. Um, but the philosophy that he puts forward in that book is the beliefs of the Church of Satan pretty much. They, If you were to talk to a member of the Church of Satan, 
they wouldn't point to William Blake as the progenitor of their beliefs. They'd point to the Satanic Bible. But I would say, hey, bro, you're not coming up with anything new. This is just the ramblings of a mentally ill person from the 1700s. You're yeah, an idiot. It's it's kind of like how today you don't really see any of the Baptist groups pointing back to Zwingli and saying, yeah, that was our guy. That's, yeah. that's why we're here. No one really does that. Yeah. Even though Zwingli gave birth basically to the Baptist movement. That's probably um, fair. Yeah, and I mean, we've mentioned this before. Neither of us have actually read through, through Zwingli's stuff. Um, so I'm not going to bag on him too hard because I don't know exactly what all his beliefs and theology were. But it, it's just interesting because it's like, well, the Lutherans are pretty obviously, you know, hey, Martin Luther, that's that's why we're here. The Calvinists are like, hey, John Calvin. The Baptists are never, hey, look at Zwingli. Yeah. Uh, and neither are the Satanists, hey, look at this guy. Yeah, and Not I, at all to compare the Baptists to the I, Satanists. That's not what I'm doing. I, I don't think that there's necessarily a straight line between The Marriage of Heaven Hell by William Blake and yeah. The Church of Satan like there is with Zwingli and the Baptists. Yeah. But um, I've... I'm familiar with The Marriage of Heaven and Hell by William Blake. So when I was yeah. brushing up on the teachings of the Church of Satan, I was like, oh my goodness, this is just that. Yeah. Um, but it modern. It's just postmodern nihilism. It's stupid, and I don't like it. I, I, I came up with like archetypal characters for each of these to help us think through it. Ooh. And the archetypal character for the Church of Satan is – the annoying philosophy major who dropped out after freshman year. He mm. it dresses up itself like it's an intellectual th thing and like it knows stuff, but it didn't get sufficient education <laughs> to understand the things it's talking about. I, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> are, are, are you an annoying philosophy major that dropped out after freshman year? Uh, no, but I am a dude on a podcast about theology who dropped out of a ministry degree program after one semester. So, <laughs> I, mm, I feel a little attacked here. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean that as an attack at and you. And to be I fair, just mean, <laughs> I am not trying to come across as if I know things, yeah. because I don't. But it, these philosophy majors probably work at, like, your local used bookstore or at a coffee shop, and their hair is orange or yeah. something. And they're like, oh, haven't you ever read Nietzsche? Everything is just the will to power. Ugh. And it's like, hey, have you ever read these fists? <laughs> The righteous hammer of God's judgment, a.k.a. these hands. I read uh, through some of Plato this afternoon. <laughs> they don't even read Plato. Plato's pretty good. They read <laughs> Nietzsche, and they read Marx, and they read Anne Rand, and they're like, everything is about the willed power. The universe is full of entropy. You ever seen the pale blue dot speech that Carl Sagan gave? Yeah, Man. so all this and, to say that this group of people in this specific part of the satanic church are basically a bunch of of losers <laughs> they're a bunch of losers who want to seem cool who are more or less just atheists uh, with extra yeah, steps they're atheists with extra steps i'm not impressed by their philosophy i think that it's juvenile i don't think that good philosophers um come to the same conclusions that they come to yeah um it's just egoism 
But that's enough about the Church of Satan. We are going to move on to our next group, the Satanic Temple. Mm. The Satanic Temple, they're technically a political organization, and they exist with the intention to more or less audit the separation of church and state. So you've probably heard about these guys in the headlines where uh, a town hall will put up a new uh, slab with the Ten Commandments on it. And then the Satanic Temple donates the statue of Baphomet, which is a depiction that's supposed to be of Satan, where it's like a goat head with like a woman's torso and like goat legs. And it may or may not have wings and it... They'll may donate, or may not have genitalia. Yeah, they'll donate this statue, and they're like, hey, man, you need to let all religions have uh, representation in the public square, man. You've probably seen this on Oh, yeah. Yeah. These people do not believe in Satan. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in anything. They are also atheists. So. Mm. Their intention is to uh, audit the separation of church and state. They are, generally speaking, more interested in griping about the Ten Commandment placards in courthouses than doing obeisance to the Dark One. See, they too do not believe in Satan or God, but they also use Satan as a symbol for rebellion to authority. They also have a strong egoist philosophy, and to put it succinctly, it's dumb and they suck. Yeah, and... You know, it's funny because for a bunch of guys who are atheists and are pushing for, hey, man, represent all religions, you don't see them coming out with a star of David and saying, put this up in the town square. Yeah. You don't see them with a statue of Buddha saying, put this up. In the-. It's Satan. Yeah, they they could be like, hey, man, if you're going to have the Ten Commandments up in the interest of having like a free and fair open place of uh, dis- public discourse. We need the Crescent up for the Islams. We need Ganesh for the Hindus. Yeah. Now they're just interested in being edg- edgy and annoying. Um, their archetype is a very active Twitter user. X user now. Uh, Twitter formerly or X formerly known as Twitter. Yes. So, uh, I <laughs> the Satanic Yeesh. Temple has seven fundamental tenets. Ooh. Uh, would you like to go over their seven fundamental tenets? And, I would uh, love to do that and just rip them a new one. Yeah. Um, so let me start by saying on the surface, the seven fundamental tenets of the Temple of Satan sound reasonable. But as you will see shortly, when you press on them at all, they're dumb and fall apart. Mm. Tenet number one, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. That sounds reasonable. Compassion and empathy are good. Right? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, except, and, and we will see this as we continue down this list, empathy is their highest sense of virtue. And empathy is not inherently virtuous. Mm. Because empathy is, sympathy is good. Because sympathy is when I say, I understand that you are hurting. Yes. Empathy is when I say, you are hurting and I am hurting too. Yeah. And that's not always good. It's not always productive to just be empathetic, right? 
And yeah. I, I'm I'm going to be a little bit um for the sake of time, just jump to extremes here. If we have a Nazi and a Jewish guy that the Nazi's beating up, if I'm empathetic to all creatures, then I have to be empathetic to both of them. So I'm empathetic to the Jewish guy who doesn't like getting beat up. So I'm like, oh, geez, I don't like getting beat up. Oh, that's uh, sad. That sucks. But then I have to be empathetic to the Nazi because— No, I don't, I don't like Jewish people. Uh, I got to beat them up. <laughs> Jews control the media. Oh, jeez. And, and, <laughs> like, then, yeah. then you end up empathizing with Nazis. Or, like, it's not even just empathetic towards people. It's empathetic towards all creatures, Step on a ladybug, and then I have to sit there and think about how sad it is that I stepped on a ladybug. Dude, I work in pest control. I kill bugs for a living. If I was empathetic towards all creatures, I would spend my day mourning the loss of bugs' lives. and All day, every day. They have the little caveat, in accordance with reason. Whose reason? What does that mean? Whose reason? Because you might determine— that it's unreasonable for you to grieve about the little critters that you kill in the line of work that you're in. Someone else who's also in the same line of work might not think that it is reasonable for them to not grieve all the little critters. So it ends up putting the locus of um, what is and is not good strictly with the individual. Yeah. And we'll see that play out as we go down. And when you put... the center of what is and is not good strictly within the individual, you lose all sense of what is and is not good. Mm. Number two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. I am going to quote the play, A Man for All Seasons. Thomas More, in the play, A Man for All Seasons, is having a conversation with another person. And this fellow says that he would um, break down every courthouse and burn every law book in all of England if he were pursuing the devil in order to capture him and bring him to justice. And Thomas More asks him, if you were to do this, what then would you use to prosecute the devil if you caught him? If justice takes precedence over law and institution, how are you going to uphold justice when you pursue it? You can't. You have to have laws. You have to have institutions. And if your sense of justice, again, whose sense of justice, takes precedence, you're screwed. Nah, free the people, bro. Screw the government. Laws are are evil. The media lies. All right. (laughs) This one I I find agreeable. Oh. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Now, I I find that agreeable. And I'm not saying I necessarily support it, though, because almost everything else on this list, I'm like, okay, if I think through it, I see that it sucks. Yeah. So I've yet to figure out how this one sucks, but I would bet a small amount of money it does. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, I. I'm on board, though, like, uh, until I can find a hole on that. Yeah, sure. People shouldn't rape people, and that's, yeah. Yeah, and it's worth noting, too, that there are bad people who have said some objectively good things, 
or bad groups of people that have said some objectively good things. You're not turning into Kanye on me, are you? No. Okay. No, all that to say, you know, just because Hitler said, I don't know, you shouldn't punch your wife in the face. You shouldn't beat your wife. If Hitler said you shouldn't beat your wife, that doesn't make Hitler a better person, right? He's still Hitler. But it does make him not wrong about that one thing. Yeah, so all that to say, even if that one thing is agreeable, that doesn't mean we should look at the whole of it any less awfully. um, I don't know. I I have some thoughts about... Um, one's body is inviolable subject to their own will alone. Okay. Well, let's say you have a terrible disease that's highly communicable like monkeypox, and yeah. it is inviolable that your body is subject to your own will alone, and you decide to go out in a tank top with your monkeypox all over the place, mm. and you start dropping skin flakes on people's meals at a restaurant like it's dat gum fresh grated Parmesan. <laughs> like, oh, that's nasty. No, like there there are certain limits to your personal autonomy and certain limits to your own uh, bodily freedom that we as a society must be draw the line somewhere sometimes. Is, is that yeah, fair? Yeah, that, that's fair. fair. All right. Uh, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Knee-jerk reactions to that, Ryan? Can you read that one more time? The freedoms of others should be respected. This includes the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own freedoms. Just off the off the bat, yeah. Just off the cuff, knee jerk reaction. Sound agreeable on its face, right? Yeah, because like I don't know. I think like as a Christian, I'm gonna say stuff that's going to offend people inevitably, and I don't know, man. I'm sorry, I guess that I offended you, but that's not gonna stop me from saying what I think is true, right? Right. I, so on its face, that sounds agreeable. Yeah, the, the all of these really sound agreeable on their face, which is why I, we're also yeah. pointing out how they're not insufficient. These are insufficient reasonings and insufficient tenets. Um. Yeah, tear it apart. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start with to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Okay, who decides, determines if it is or is not unjust? Because remember, just earlier, like two tenants back, we determined that we don't need laws, didn't we? Yeah, those suck. Yeah, we don't need laws. We have to struggle for justice in an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws. But to unjustly encroach upon the freedom of another is to forego one's own freedom. Okay. And you have the freedom to offend me. All right. And I have to respect your freedom to offend me. Okay. What what happens if a group of people in a town decides to put the Ten Commandments in their courthouse and that offends you? Mm. It is their freedom 
to put that Ten Commandments statue up. And they have the right to do things that offend you. Well, look at that. And uh, golly gee. And to be fair, you then have the right to put up your statue of Baphomet with his goat head and swinging wiener. Because a lot of times those statues are uh, oh yeah intentionally uh, obscene. Obscene. They're intentionally made to be shocking and yeah troublesome. Uh, I I think it's dumb. That that's not. And also, the freedoms of others should be respected. Okay, who decides what the freedoms are? Who decides what freedom is? What do you mean by freedom? Because, by golly, we just determined that laws and institutions are dumb. Two tenants ago, we decided we don't need those. (laughs) So who determines freedom? What you're wanting is some kind of uh, return-to-monkey-oonga-boonga anarchy. (laughs) Like, you're trying to caveman this stuff, and I'm all for uh, some sort of Stone Age-type anarchy (laughs) system. But, like... Anarcho-primitivist, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm all for anarcho-primitivism, but by golly, it's got its limits. It almost sounds like the people who wrote these tenets were a bunch of idiots, huh? (laughs) Uh, I I think that they were well-meaning and not up to the task. Yeah. Well-meaning for their own system, at the very least. Yeah, I don't know if well-meaning as a whole is right. right. This is one of my favorites. Oh, boy. Number five. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's belief. Now, uh, Ryan, beliefs should conform to whose best scientific understanding of the world? Yours. Yours. So, Ryan, what if, what if my understanding of science is bad? Yeah. What then? Well, what if I'm one of those uh, fellas who caused some problems in the mid-20th century who studied the shape of skulls and determined that some human people were less human than other human people based off the shape of their skull? They were doing math and taking measurements, and as far as they were concerned, they had a pretty dat-gum scientific understanding of the universe, and they took that science and you know what they did with it, Ryan? They did ge- like genocide and yeah. eugenics and terrible, awful crimes against humanity. But they were conforming to their scientific understanding. Someone a long time ago took a look at the human brain and went, hmm, what's the best way to fix the problem with this brain? And their solution was, just cut that chunk out of it. Yeah, you don't need your prefrontal cortex. Just and get rid of it. What do you know? Those people's best scientific understanding of the brain led to lobotomies. But their belief conformed to their best scientific understanding of the world. And again, this puts all of the impetus and all of the authority within the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas within Christianity, we have uh, Holy Scripture and church tradition to guide us. It's almost like that's a better system. Yeah, it is almost like it's a better system because when you have this hyper-egoism and uh, hyper-individualist take on things, you end up uh, facilitating terrible things. I I know I'm kind of uh, 
strawmanning a little bit by jumping straight to Nazis. But, you know, we're pressed for time. So, also, I think that that's a, a fair criticism of that tenet. I don't know, man. What if someone's scientific understanding of the world is that Bigfoot is real, and therefore there's a secret Bigfoot society living in the woods, and they ought to be praised as gods because Bigfoot's real? Bigfoot is real. He shouldn't be praised as God, but he is real. <laughs> so, joke's on you. Um, in That's Iceland, for uh, next year's Halloween episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, never mind. I was going to say something about Iceland, but we're going to skip that. Mm. Number six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. That's... Hmm. Knee-jerk reactions. I mean, I, I'm sure you're about to explain how it's not, but that almost sounds biblical in nature. Because, I don't know, we're called to... We are called in Holy Scripture. It's in the grocery store. I don't know what aisle, but it's in there. You are to go and be right with your brother before you bring your your gifts to God. Mm-hmm. Go and be right with your brother before you bring yourself before God. Yeah, Jesus says that. Yeah, rectify rectify your mistakes. That mm-hmm. that sounds biblical in nature. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, this this is another one that I I think is a little bit harder to put my finger on why I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, again, as I think. I've tried to do in the past few minutes here. All of these have glaring flaws as a yeah. system. So when I have the one or two that I'm like, okay, I think that's reasonable. I'm like, wait a second. What am I missing? Yeah. <laughs> what What am I missing here? So people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Okay. So this is a a form of penance in a way. Yeah. And it is completely horizontal. If I create a problem with you, then I go and fix it with you. Yeah. We can't always fix it horizontally, right? I can't always fix my mistakes person to person. Mm. And what they're doing here is putting forward a doctrine of sin without making any doctrinal commitment to it. They're saying you're fallible and you can make mistakes, which sounds a lot like sin. Yeah. And they're saying that you should rectify it and make it right and fix it if you can fix it. But then it becomes a, a uh, for lack of better words, you get a cheap out. Yeah. Because if you threaten that cashier at Kohl's, well, you're never going to see them again, so you don't have to do anything now. Whereas within the Christian sin, understanding of sin, even if I can't make it right horizontally, I still have to address things vertically, right? Yeah. I can't make it right with you, but I still have to get right with God. And they don't have that here. So, you know, what happens if you wrong someone and they get dead or you wrong someone and you can never find them again or you wrong someone and it it doesn't do the job for the soul that penance and sin does. Yeah. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. All right, last tenant. Every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. It's almost like they present these tenants as laws. 
But then at the end, they're like, hey, man, just do what you want. Just, like, follow your heart, bro. And so, so in the end, their tenants, one of the tenants is ignore the tenants if you feel so like it. So one of the tenants is laws are bad. But the last tenant is these other tenants should be taken as law, but also as, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Laws are dumb. Mm. Here's some laws. Yeah. Ignore it, them if you want. Like, what? what is the point? What is the point? It's stupid. It's dumb. They're just edgy. They're very active Twitter users. The end. I, I don't care for Twitter users. Yeah, and they uh, don't really believe in Satan. So... There you go. That's the satanic temple. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, these first two, uh, I I like bagging on. First two are lame. Understandably. We're going to bag on the other ones too. But oh, the, for the sure. The first two are just too edgy for me, bro. Like, Well, let's, let's dang, get into man, the third you one. And sl- carve Slayer on your forearm and talk yeah. about how much you hate the bible great yeah now this third one should be the first one that actually believes in satan yeah sometimes 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 let's get into that so this third one i i am just going to title it occultism Mm. just broadly occultism yeah and the archetype for the occultist there are two of them the first one is the nice lady at the farmer's market that's selling rocks and she thinks she can talk to cats yeah, her her salt crystals that heal your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The second archetype is the guy who still lives in his mom's basement and he's got the neck beard and he wears the fedora and he's pretty sure that he's a wizard and can cast spells. Oh, so uh, a Discord moderator? Yeah, it's a Discord mod. And a lot of the times a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. You have no idea what type of power I have the capacity yeah, for. The kind of guy who gets on a, a Discord server, he moderates, chats up an underage girl and calls her kitten. Yeah. That, that like, kind of guy. Hello, kitten. Daddy's back from his shift at Taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got Cheeto dust all over his fingers and he smells like Mountain Dew. He's wearing like a fake leather trench coat yeah and he calls himself sensei ledoux yeah 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 so he thinks he's a wizard um and she thinks that she can talk to cats and i don't know maybe she can and maybe he is yeah well yeah that's that's something i wanted to bring up though is that that is biblical like black magic dark magic is a thing right like yeah so people who get involved in a cultish demon satan stuff they can, yeah. They can do some magic stuff. So at, at this point, we, we are going to uh, be shifting a little bit into uh, a little bit spookier because previously it's just been ha ha, look at these wieners, and now <laughs> it, it's ah, uh, jeez, oh, that's kind of creepy. So <clears throat> people who practice the occultic arts may or may not conceptualize themselves as being in league with the devil. Yeah. Um, perhaps you have a cousin who has, like, a T-shirt with a pentagram on it, or he wears, like, a pentagram necklace or something. Yeah. If the single point of that pentagram is pointing up, they think that they're doing good magic. All right? Your weird cousin that thinks he's a wizard, if the pentagram points up, he thinks he's doing good magic or white magic. If it's pointing down, they think that they're doing dark magic or, like, 
malicious magic, and they probably conceptualize themselves, if it's pointing down, as being in league with, like, demons. I have some bad news. Any magic is evil magic. Yeah, and again— All magic is bad. As as we said at the start of this, anything that gets in the way of our relationship with Christ can be properly termed satanic. Yes. So, um, it's not just this— stuff but th- this stuff is a uh, thing yeah so, we we see in scripture oh i'm a i'm a little rusty on the story but uh bible man number one goes to see a witch <laughs> and then the witch Saul, calls and it's the witch of endor yes thank you i should know it's the witch of endor and we'll see why next episode <laughs> are we going to oh yeah yeah we'll, we'll get to that later um yeah. but yeah Saul goes to the witch of endor and she calls upon the ghost of who was it solomon samuel samuel yeah i told you i was I was rusty with that one uh but yeah. calls upon the ghost of solomon and Interestingly, scripture doesn't deny that it actually was the ghost of Saul. Samuel. Samuel. Thank yeah. you. Gosh. Saul so who has her summon it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it implies that it actually was, which is interesting. But it's also pretty clear that the witch is evil and that the magic is evil. Yeah. So suffice to say that whichever uh, one of these, whichever way the pentagram's facing, they shouldn't be doing that. No. But, um, if you have a weird cousin who you're friends with on Facebook and don't ever really see except, you know, every other Thanksgiving, um, and they've got the weird pentagram necklace, look at the way the star's facing, because they might be thinking that they're actively, they, they might actively be doing obeisance to the dark one, or they might just be thinking that they're, like, playing with herbs, because it, yeah. if it's pointing up, they usually think that they're doing like protective spells or whatever, and it's usually pretty benign stuff, like putting cinnamon in your windowsill yeah. on the first of every month to make uh, that I wealth come about. Used or to live whatever. across from, I believe, possibly a practicing witch or occultist. Um, hey, man, I wasn't doing any magic when you lived across <laughs> from me. <laughs> yeah, William and I used to live at the uh, the same apartment complex, um, but someone who lived in our building across from us would leave a little cup outside their door and put eggshells in it. Really? Yeah, and to the best of my knowledge, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that's some sort of occultish practice it, that's supposed I mean, to, like, ward off evil spirits or something. It might be related to, like, Santeria or something. Santeria loves its birds. Yeah, I um, don't know, but uh, my my younger brother pointed that out to me. He's like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, a witchcraft thing. It might be a witchcraft thing. It yeah. might not. I don't know. Um, but... But stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. And they might do like uh, a bundle of sage that they burn to chase away yep. any, uh, malicious spirits. And these people who have the upward-facing pentagrams, I'm not going to hang out with them for a long time. But, you know, I could chit-chat with them in, at the grocery store and they're not like trying to be evil. <laughs> yeah. I think what they're doing is wrong and, and at the at the very least, it's silly at, yeah. At the most, it, it's um, brother man. You you you're messing with stuff you don't quite get. At worst, it's uh, even grotesque and horrifying in some cases. You get these occultists who. <laughs> I apologize for the graphic wording, but who will murder and hang animals up on yeah, the telephone Yeah, so that's poles. the the downward facing pentagram. Yeah. Um, where they'll like get a rabbit or a cat or yep. a dog or some other small critter and they'll uh, gut it 
and or crucify it or hang it upside down or whatever and they'll leave it hanging in the woods off of trees or whatever in a trailer park yeah it's gruesome and grisly um and it's horrible just in itself yeah uh but they're the downward facing pentagram they probably think that they're uh summoning stuff that may or may not be stuff that's supposed to be humans. It might supposed to be demons. It might supposed to be like uh, the spirit of the wood or something. It, yeah, and I, I here is I the worst part about all of that, which is that there's some truth to it. Well, the, the like, thing is, it, it's either a fortunate thing about Christianity is that we have a very complete cosmology. Yes. Yeah. So we don't have to sit here and wring our hands and stroke our trends trying to figure out what's going on. It's either A, nothing, or B, it's a demon. Yes. There you go. But Um, (laughs) in that sense, like, that's, there's some truth to it. Like, you know, it's it's sort of like with, like, Ouija boards, right? Yeah, you, those, you get, those would fall into the occult. Yeah, you get people who joke around, oh, we'll do a Ouija board at this party, it'll be spooky, it'll be a dumb, fun time. I wholeheartedly believe if you give a demon an opportunity to speak with you, they're not going to turn that opportunity down, right? Yeah, um, so Stuff like that. So if you're doing your downward-facing pentagram shenanigans— and calling upon the power of Satan to do something for you. Yeah, he, he, I don't think that he'll willingly pass that opportunity are, are you, up. Are you familiar with uh, Faust? Or Faustus? Yes. By Goth? I have Goth? heard of that, yes. Yeah, so it's this... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. This play about this doctor who's... Uh, disillusioned with all things having to do with academia. So he like invokes the evil spirits to come to him or whatever. And one of the, this demon whose name is Mephistopheles shows up and he's like, Hey, and he's like, Oh shoot. My incantations worked. I I summoned you. And Mephistopheles is like, well, not really. It's just, you know, free soul. So here I am. (laughs) And I think that's kind of how it works. Uh, uh, You know, it's not that you're necessarily summoning them. It's that they're like, Hey, free real estate but it's it's scary yeah either way it seems less, to, less so for us because like we've got the holy spirit bro yeah i mean we're, we're good right I, i'm but not particularly afraid of no the demonic but for these people that are practicing witchcraft and wizardry who are into the occult doing these things sacrificing it whatever for these people they are running a risk that i don't think they they actually understand because if they did, they wouldn't be doing it. And if they would still be doing it at that point, there's something deeply wrong with that person. Yeah, um, the Catholic Church has an understanding about some certain telltale signs of demonic possession. Yeah. And at the very least, demonic influence and oppression, if not possession. And one of the telltale signs of demonic influence in one's life is an interest in the occult. Like, if you have, or a loved one, find yourselves uh, with a degree of magnetism that you can't seem to shake off, always finding yourself in the weird little corner of the Barnes & Noble where they sell all these kinds of books about this sort of thing. Yeah, Uh, or in Hot Topic. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, or whatever. You know, maybe uh, maybe it's time to prayerfully, Spencers. prayerfully <laughs> reevaluate these things. Um, so yeah, within the occult, there's stuff that like maybe. Yeah, I, there's stuff maybe like Ouija boards, like tarot cards, like yeah. the healing crystals, astrology. Maybe all that stuff. Um, perhaps we could talk about it some other day. But yeah. there is some truth to the, the whole like, the, hey man, demon, come possess me. Yeah, that, that's probably, a thing. Probably not a, a good move. No. Um. Anyway, these people who are into the occult, they may think of themselves as worshiping Satan. They may actually believe in Satan. They may not. Um, they may. They they may style themselves as Satanists. They might not style themselves as Satanists. They may believe in Satan. They may not believe in Satan. They may be trying to summon demons. They might. Um, so it's kind of this weird nebulous middle ground between like yeah, really Satanist and like the edgy atheists. Yeah. Right. So, so let, let's get the, into this last one here. The we've, last one. We've just got a few minutes left. All right. The last one, and it's fine that we only have a few minutes left because I have very little to say about it. The last one is just real Satanism, where you believe that there is a Satan and, and you, you believe worship him. And you're actively doing obeisance to him. Yeah. Um, these people exist. They're weirdos. Um, and I, there doesn't seem to be a ton of them out there. There's not a whole lot of them as far as I can tell. I mean, there was like the satanic panic in the 80s that went yeah. up until like the 2000s. And, you know, I have um, met people who are Christians and their story has to do with them coming out of that subculture. Yeah. Right? Where they actively worshipped Satan and they were a group part of a group of people who actively worshipped Satan and the stuff that they got up to was really dark and malicious and um, it's troubling to be sure um, and I'm not trying to diminish the the um, terribleness of it but the kinds of things that people do now who are actively believing that they are worshipping Satan and invoking Satan it's oftentimes not terribly different from just any kind of paganism yeah. from antiquity. If you were a Viking pagan, you had ritualized rape and human sacrifices that you participated in to invoke whatever critter or forest spirit or whatever thing. If you were a Roman pagan, you did all kinds of terrible things. If you were part of a Roman mystery cult, you might like slaughter a bull and bathe yourself in its blood. Uh, there was a Roman emperor who was known to cut open pregnant women, take the baby out and like rip it up and look at its entrails and be like, oh, check out these entrails. Neat. Um, so it, the kinds of things that modern Satanists do, it's a lot of times just paganism. Yeah. Um, and so then it, the people who are engaging in these paganistic activities might think of themselves as actively worshiping Satan or then you, if you keep going over to the other side, you might get people who just think that they're an ego pagan who, and they're worshiping Odin or something, but they're doing the same kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it's still dark and icky and gross and troubling to the Christian as it should be. So that that's that. They're, they're, yeah. That does exist. That and is a thing. All that to say, this is why you shouldn't let your children watch Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Or Star Wars. 
don't don't oh, don't go oh, there. Oh, oh, don't go. Oh, don't go we there. We will until um, next episode. So all of this to say, if I if I may, put yes. one last thought out there. I've read the back of the book. Yeah, and you don't get to have this metaphysical entity, even as an archetype of rebellion against authority, who you can call Satan without the book, right? Yeah. You don't get that without the Bible. And at the end of the Bible, we know what happens. We know what happens to the Satan. Yeah, he doesn't win. So if you're one of these soy boy losers that (laughs) identifies— if you're one of these neck beards. If you're one of these neck beer soy boy betas that identifies yourself with Satan, you've picked the wrong side, buddy. Read the back of the book and reconsider. Because by golly, like what, what do you want from me, man? <laughs> you you've yeah. picked the wrong side. And that's silly of you, and I encourage you to reconsider. Come back home. Come back to the church. We're waiting for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that that's just to keep the everything in perspective. I'm comfortable talking about this kind of stuff in part because I've I know how it ends, right? Yeah, and I know it gets spooky and icky, and we get the creepy crawlies, and we probably should, and we don't want to get too in depth in this, and we don't want to study it and uh, let it occupy much of our minds and our hearts. Um, for the Lord will deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, but it is good to know this stuff on, on some level, right? Cause you, you don't want your cousin who joins the temple of Satan to be trying to have a conversation with them and you talking about why Satan sucks. And the response is, uh, I don't even believe in Satan. What an idiot. They don't know what I believe. And we don't want that. We we want to know what people believe so that we can talk to them about why it's wrong. So hopefully you be- know a little bit better now. So if this was helpful to you. Yeah, and, and uh, to quote Sun Tzu. <laughs> to quote Sun Tzu. The art of war. Yes. To know thy enemy is to know thyself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. And I think there is some truth to that when, when you get into this like spiritual warfare stuff, you know? If we're going to spiritually combat people like this, to some extent at least, you have to understand what it is you're dealing with. I, I don't know that you have to, but I think it's helpful. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, you could be uh, an edgy philosophy major who gets suckered into the church of Satan. And you might not even have to engage in that much spiritual warfare for him. You might just have to have a conversation with him where you show him the limits of radical egoism. Yeah. And he goes, ah, geez, you're right. You might be able to just talk him out of it because what he believes in is so busted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there there is a, a component of spiritual warfare in all this, to be sure. Thanks, Sun Tzu. Um, yeah, yeah. But well. thank you for uh, tuning in to this podcast, Theology-ish. If you have any questions, comments, or uh, you happen to be a Satanist and would like to correct me because I got your petty little anti-belief wrong, <laughs> shoot us an email at theologyish at gmail.com, and I will get back to you and tell you in 
long form. Yeah. Why you are wrong. Thanks for listening. Leave a like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, email us if you want to. Share us with a friend. Leave a five-star review on Spotify. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts telling us uh, what you like about the podcast and what you don't, we will read those reviews on the podcast. Live, right here. Well, it's not live because it's pretty recorded. It's live for us. We will read them and we will uh, say thank you for kind words and we will yell at you and berate you for saying yeah, not kind words. Maybe one of these days we'll start a Patreon and shell you guys for money because we're poor. Yeah. Yeah. This this ain't free. We gotta it's we true. gotta spend money on it. We're this is uh this is a loss on our part it's financially true. speaking, but that's just what we do for your guys' sake. We love you guys so much. <laughs> And we want you to know things about Satanism so much. Oh, mm. <laughs> that, well, not specifically Satanism, <laughs> but today, today that's the topic. Anyway, yeah, thanks so, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, enjoy your Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Cue the spooky outro music. <laughs>